In this podcast, head of middle school, John Turner, technology integrator, Ethan Schindler, director of technology, Pam Horton, and school counselor, Kasuth Bradford, share best practices and practical advice with middle school parents regarding teenagers and technology. Hey, once more, I'm John Turner, head of the middle school, and uh, we're glad to put together a parent event, a parent coffee, a panel discussion. Uh, regarding teens and technology. And the reason um, this sort of came to our mind this fall, and you know, certainly it's something we think about quite a bit, um, but um, at the parent conferences in early November, we heard a number of parents saying that they were feeling the impact of technology at home, um, that they were feeling um, that there were a lot of conversations at home going on about technology, about, um, you know, sort of, uh, kind of ownership or permission about smartphones and things like that, and also just the impact um, that they may be having both on homework, but also on the social side as well. And we were just kind of hearing enough of, of that um, in uh, the conversations uh, in the gym in early November that we thought, you know, it might be good to just, um, you know, do as much as we can do as a school to share what we know, to share some perspectives with you that may be helpful um, and offer some good guidance. And I think one of the things that's very important for us as parents is to always feel that there's a we're in it together bit because when kids say, but I'm the only one who, um, you know, they're, uh, they're often um, speaking from their own perspectives and in realities um, there are a lot of families who are um, maybe making decisions um, that aren't what the teenagers would like. Uh, and, um, and we want to sort of uh, make sure that, you know, we kind of all kind of share that together. Today we're going to offer a few, few different perspectives on teenagers and technology. Um, I'll introduce our panel here and sort of get things rolling. Um, and uh, this is to my right, this is Ethan Schoenhar, uh, who has uh, just joined our, our faculty this year from Northern Virginia. Um, and he is our technology integration specialist, um, teaching classes uh, for kindergarten up through sixth grade. And has been doing some work, especially with Kasuth, uh, to um, incorporate into the curriculum some uh, thoughts uh, for the kids on appropriate use of technology. He'll talk a little bit about that, what they're doing in the classroom. Pam Fortin, our technology director, will talk about um, the nature of screen time and also just about what you might be talking about at home and how to, how to package, how to frame conversations at home as well. She has also put together a list of resources that are printed and they are on the chair in the back of the room. Uh, we'll talk, maybe mention a couple of those today, um, a couple of those resources, but a whole list of those resources is available to you as, um, as we leave here today. And then Kasuth, our school counselor, um, will talk about the role of technology and its impact on stress, uh, social well-being, um, all of those things. Okay, so um, I'm just going to pause here. I'll let Ethan introduce yourself. All right. So, so yeah, uh, like John said, my name is Ethan Schoenherr. I'm the uh, technology teacher and integrator. So I work specifically with kindergarten through sixth grade. Um, I don't see the the seventh through ninth graders, but um, in sixth grade we have touched up on the the technology usage, and um, especially with um, not quite cyberbullying, but um, general kind digital citizenship. Um, in that in class, we so. I've, to give you some context, we've done this uh, one one class, um, the cycle before Thanksgiving, where the students got into breakout groups and they each had a different scenario of something that could hypothetically happen, that, or, or we, you know, we've caught wind of over at other schools, um, where they read a scenario and they had some various questions to answer from different perspectives of different people, and then. Um, they would discuss it in their group, answer the questions, and then we broke out into, or put, you know, came back together as a whole group, and had a whole a whole group discussion where different students offered their different 
different perspective on, on the issue. And it was just, it was to, to raise awareness that these things can happen, they can happen to you. It's, um, it, and then how you can handle a situation if it, if you're kind of on the outside looking in, if you're involved in it, just different, we discussed different strategies for um, if you're involved in that situation, how you can de-escalate a situation or you can seek trusted help or help from a trusted adult. Um, so that's what we've done with the sixth graders and we, we intentionally started with sixth graders because they're the, they're the ones who are more likely to have phones and we're going to spiral down through probably after, after break, um, we'll go in with the fifth graders and then the fourth graders down pretty much all the way down to third, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I would just add, I think, to, to what Ethan was saying, we just gave that language of, you know, being a bystander or even an upstander in terms of witnessing something here and something online and how you might respond and what that looks like um, if you don't and if you do and, and kind of trying to put yourself in that situation. Um, if you were the one receiving um, some of that negative treatment, how would you hope your peers would respond? And, and so trying to help them uh, kind of think about those things. And I just want to say a few words about um, the culture of technology here at school. And certainly technology comes in lots of different forms. And there's teaching technology, but there's also um, sort of the interactive technology you know, of smartphones as well. And I'll talk about both, both parts. But just um, for, for you as parents to know, what does technology look like on our campus? What does it, you know, what is, what is, what do we see on a daily basis? And if we watch television, if we watch movies, we, you know, we might see impressions of that, um, you know, when uh, there's a class change time, few minutes between classes, that all students walk out into class and immediately reach for their smartphones and, and are on their devices. Uh, that might be what Hollywood would tell you. That might be what a movie studio would say. On our campus, we don't see that. Um, and we have, I think, a very appropriate culture of cell phones here at our school. Um, many of our students do have cell phones. Um, it is uh, certainly how parents and how students communicate with one another. And so um, while um, you know, we say to students, you know, you shouldn't have your cell phone out during the school day. You shouldn't have it evident during the school day. And for, you know, the vast, vast majority of students, that's true. Um, we know that students have cell phones with them. They're in their backpack, they're in their pockets, things like that. But I'm actually really glad to say that we are a school that, that I don't think we have a pervasive issue of students' use of cell phone during the school day. I could go through a whole school day from early before 8 a.m. till late in the afternoon and not see a cell phone in a student's hand. And so that's, I think, a very good thing. Um, it means that students are, you know, walking the halls talking to each other. It means that students are, um, you, know, you know, going about the business of being students um, during the school day. That's not to say that you know, our students don't, as I said, have, have cell phones here at school. Um, it is uh, certainly um, you know, common for students if they have to communicate with a parent to ask, you know, can I use my phone? A practice has been changed, a game's been rained out, I need to contact my parent about a pickup plan. We might have a student say, I've just gotten a text uh, from my, you know, my parent about an appointment or whatever. Yeah, okay, so we understand that that's kind of how the world works and we will allow for that. I also do know um, that you know there are students who kind of on the fly or surreptitiously you know will use their phone a little bit in text because I will hear you know sometimes I'll get a call from a parent saying I just got a text from my child that you know that they got a failing grade on their test mm -hmm. and can I make an appointment with you I'm like how did you just get a call from, you, know, you know and so forth um, so I knew I do know that happens it's and so I, you know I'm aware 
that, and I think all teachers are aware, yes, students do use their cell phone sort of on the fly now and then, but I think by and large, the thing that I want to share with you is that I don't think we have an out of control cell phone culture at our school. In fact, I think it's very much under control. And yes, there is a little bit of use here and there, um, but, I, but it certainly um, is not like one might see, as I said, you know, if you kind of uh, see something you know, on the media that suggests something different. And I'm very glad for that. I'm very glad that our students are engaged in what they're doing in school. I'm glad, very glad that they are attuned to you know, the habits and the activities of being a student here at our school. We also should also say that technology is not, um, you know, not all bad. Um, that technology certainly provides many opportunities to communicate. Um, many of us have probably already used technology today, you know, here, and it's just, you know, coming up on 8:30, um, and you know, to communicate or to get something done, send a note, whatever it might be. So technology has its great purposes. It's when it um, sort of, you know, kind of crosses into uh, becoming pervasive in one's life in one's day um, that we want to, you know, sort of, you know kind of encourage conversations about dialing back and that's really you know what we are really thinking about actively as a campus. We have a, um, we have a lot of technology that we use for um, the academic side of the experience here at school. Many of our classrooms are outfitted with smart boards. We have Chromebooks um, that um, are issued to each student. We made a conscious decision when we um, went forth with our Chromebook program a few years ago that we wouldn't have those Chromebooks go home. And we think that that's a very good decision, um, that we um, don't want to send more devices home um, that you as a parent need to manage and, and deal with. And it has certainly kind of seemed to work out well that students can get the work done they need to do here at school and then uh, you know, have, those, have those devices charging overnight. And then they will, um, you know, often or it seems to be able to you know, get their schoolwork done at home uh, with, ever, with whatever devices they may have at home um, to use as well. So it's, um, so we, we certainly are trying to sort of make decisions that hold these in balance as well. We want students to develop skills and technology, to be able to make videos, to um, you know, demonstrate their knowledge through presentations, things like that. So we certainly are trying to, you know, see the, the benefits of technology, we also you know, just want to, you know, at the same time as teachers, you know, make sure that we are holding things um, in balance, uh, as, as uh, I think the word you know, balance we'll use you know, many times today. But you know, there are times when it's important to, you know, to write down your notes by hand. It's, you know, sometimes it's important to give a presentation without relying on a slideshow. You know, there are many different skills we want to continue to embed that aren't always technology-based, and we want to, as, as, um, as we think, you know, give students a wide array of experiences so they can have more and more experience to draw on the further they go along. The, um, the topic of technology also crosses paths into the concept of homework as well. And as I said at the outset, we were hearing from a number of parents at the parent conferences that um, they, were, they were feeling like technology was really having you know, uh, sort of a greater, greater and impinging role in their children's lives. But we were also hearing a little bit about homework as well. Um, at those parent conferences, we were hearing from some parents to say, my gosh, there's a lot of homework, um, you know, and uh, you know, is there anything we can do to sort of monitor that and think more deeply about that? And I can share that we're actually um, actively talking about the amount of homework that our students have in the middle school. I've given some surveys out to a couple of our grades, to sixth and eighth grade, 
um, to gauge their experience with homework. Uh, we have uh, just, we're in the middle of a faculty survey on the same. What is the faculty's opinion about the appropriateness of homework and the amount of homework kids should have? And I um, spent some time with uh, one of our sixth grades at lunch. I just went in kind of in a focus group style and said, beyond the survey, beyond the questions that I can ask you in a survey format, can I just ask you, you know, what it's like for you? And so we're really trying to sort of get more of a handle on that. Um, we are also, um, I think, probably in the next couple of weeks or maybe even after the first of the year, we'll pick a couple of uh, homerooms advisory groups and have kids track, track their homework on a daily basis for a couple of weeks because that may be another way we can measure all of this. When we talk about homework, we are talking, I think, very appropriately about um, the amount of time that kids spend outside of their class time and especially at home doing, doing schoolwork. And the reason it, I bring it up here in a conversation about technology is because the more we talk about homework, the more we enter into conversations about the, the overlap between uh, homework and smartphones. That the, um, a student who may report, or a parent who may report, my child spend you know, two and a half, three hours on homework, one of the questions that we may gain some interesting information from is to ask, what is the role of, of a device, an iPad, a smartphone, you know, right near that student while they're doing homework? Is it the case that a student may report, it took me two and a half, three hours to do my homework, but you know, if every six or seven minutes the phone buzzes and somebody else you know, joins in on the group text, and then we've got to think of the witty response for the group text, are we really spending you know, that quality time? And so that's something we are trying to um, sort of gauge, trying to provide advice on, and certainly something that Pam and others may talk about here today. Um, so that's one, you know, one thing to think about just in the amount of time. It also um, impinges the um, ability for students to dig into their homework in a very, um, focused way in a, in a more thoughtful way. Um, there are many uh, folks who believe that um, they are very good multitaskers and many of our students would tell you they also are good multitaskers but if you do reading on the sort of behavioral science of multitasking uh, it will you know, it suggests that you know, as much as we convince ourselves I can do four things at once when we are trying to juggle many different things and maybe you know like somebody sends a link to a video I'm going to watch that video then I send a response I'm going to get back to my homework then some other uh, text comes in and so forth and we feel like we're attending to all of those things well the reality is we're intending to all of them on a very surface level and so the the, um, the vocabulary that you're um, looking over the reading that you're doing, the math problems that you're working on, you may functionally be getting from the top of the page to the bottom or you may or may be working through that problem set, but are you really thinking about it? Are you really understanding what you are learning, what you are doing as well? And so um, one of the things that we want to really think about when we talk about homework is how, you know, how do we help kids focus, maybe for shorter periods of time, um, but in a more dedicated way on the work they're doing. And we're having a faculty meeting this afternoon. It just happens to be that on Tuesdays we have faculty meetings. We have a middle school faculty meeting, and we're talking about homework. And one of the things that I will, Emily and David and others, you know, talk about, you know, we're, one of the things I want to talk about is actionable items about homework. And not just to say, well, you know, some people have more homework than less, like, but are there actionable items that we can think about? And one of them I think we can talk about is how do we pull back on homework that requires technology. Sorry? They have to all have Atlas. Atlas, okay. Atlas never gets old. They use Google Maps. Sometimes uh -huh. they want to use that. No, it's totally fine. The teacher told us that we can use some electronic maps. And again, that's great technology literacy, but from there to literally one 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Jotted it down. I'll make we'll make it a part, point of things. Um, I want to get to the other folks on the panel, but the other thing um, that I just wanted to mention quickly is if we're talking about an overlap between technology and homework, there's a third overlapping piece which has to do with sleep. And any of the articles that you read about um, technology and teenagers will certainly have a paragraph or two about the nature of sleep and the importance of making sure that kids are getting the rest that they need. Um, you know, seven, eight, nine hours um, you know, for, for young people is, is pretty important. And the, um, and the way that technology you know, has kids up later at night, but also um, you know, the late night screen time, that you know, evening screen time, you know, which really limits the ability for one to fall asleep and sleep well, is something to pay a lot more attention to. Um, certainly, um, this is mentioned in some of the resource articles that we're putting out there. Um, but um, you know, we maybe come back to that. But I just want to make sure that's part of the conversation here as well. Um, Pam, let me turn it over to you. It's so interesting because I'm, I was, as I was <clears throat> trying to prepare what I wanted to say today, and then I'm hearing comments. I'm in my head wanting to be able to have 45 minutes to go back and redo, so to speak, what I wanted to say to you all. That said, I'm going to plow through. So if I stumble a little bit, it's because I'm changing my game plan. Um, so I, because I want to respond to what, what I'm hearing in the room. 15 years ago, over 15 years ago, I started doing these chats with, with parents. And back in the day, it was all about kind of instilling the, the fear of tech and the, the, the bad side of technology, right? And the whole idea of locking everything down. Right, so if we can't control it and we don't understand it, we just lock it down. And there's so much bad out there. There's, you know, there, there's the, the whole idea of internet strangers and where that can lead, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The conversation is definitely changing because at this point in time, it's everywhere. Technology is everywhere. Smartphones are basically computers in your pockets. And some of these smartphones are actually more powerful some, than some of the laptops that you can buy in store now. So where does that put us? It, it puts us in a, in a very different spot. And I think it puts us in a point where we have to look at a couple of things. One is screen time. Screen, not all screen time is equal. Clearly it's not. And if they, you take a look at screen time, folks are putting it into sort of three kind of categories. One, one organization was putting it into four, but I just decided three was just easier to one remember. And it just made more sense to me. There's that whole passive consumption, right? So I'm just, I'm just sitting there taking it in. And mindlessly, sometimes hours can go by and I don't realize, or a student doesn't realize how much time has gone by that they've either spent trolling YouTube videos or, or, or whatever it is, reading articles or, or going to shopping websites to see the latest and greatest, but never buying anything, right? But just to see what's out there. Then you've got your interactive consumption where you, you're, you're there's games, right? And a lot of these games are you're in contact with other people and you're chit-chatting with other people as you play them. Video chatting and social media. That's not the passive just posting social media, but the interactive piece of the social media. And then there's the actual content creation, where you're actually going about and you're making something. You're either writing an essay or you are creating a, a video and you're editing the video, but you're actually making stuff. So. The whole idea of it being one, a one-dimensional piece isn't, it has changed. So you have to look at that as well when you're talking about screen time with kids. So there's that first part. The second part is it should be about conversations with kids. I love the fact that you're feeding articles to your, to your child to get them to understand 
the, 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 the pitfalls and the values of technology. And it's about engaging in those conversations with, with kids so that they understand that it's not just what I'm telling you to do. I, it's, let's, let's talk about that. Yes, it's addicting. It, that ding, you talk about it all the time, Kasuth. That, that buzz on the phone, I got to look, I got to look, right? I, it, the, and the more I'm engaged, the more, the more I want to go back and check it. The whole idea of just sitting and being bored and waiting in line for something and not instinctively pulling your phone out, that's, that's like a days gone by. I, I was driving in the car the, uh, over the weekend, taking a nice little, little drive. What was I doing? At one point I realized I'm, I'm sitting here on my phone. This can wait, right? I'm not taking in the scenery. I'm not seeing the deer that scooted by in, in, in the field. Those are the things that people are missing out on. And so it's important to have that conversation with kids so that they start to see that it's not just something that they are grappling with, but that we as adults are grappling with it too. And so we have to walk the walk. We can't say one thing and then be glued to our phone all the time. We can't say, you know what, family time is really important, but then while you're at the dinner table, something buzzes and you pick it up and you're checking it out. So it, it, it's those conversations and it's that dialogue that's going to be really, really, really important to, to have at home. I can tell you all sorts of things you can do to parental controls, right? Uh, content filtering. I'm happy to have those conversations. I don't want to talk about that today. But just know that I think engaging in a dialogue with kids now, starting now, to, to educate them and to make them under, because this isn't going away. This is going to be something as they get older, this is going to travel with them. And so for them to have a healthy relationship with the technology is going to be key. Um, so all of this I didn't even look at, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang it up there. But also know that I'm here as a resource. Our department, our entire department is here as a resource, happy to sit and chat with with, with parents in a one-to-one -one situation, happy to sit down and go through parental controls on an iPhone or to talk about content filtering at home. A lot of internet service providers now, part of their Wi-Fi that they provide, that it's, it's built in and it's so easy that I went over to a friend's house to help them set it up and they thought they needed me there and I actually let them do the driving and they did it all on their own. So it's, it's much more user friendly than it used to be, just know that. And if you want any help or want to bang some ideas around or get some, you know, some thoughts or input on something, just never further than an email or a phone call away. Yes? I've actually gone from to various classes, um, and and what's that? Health right, and the health, and it's it's married into the health curriculum as well. So, what's that? In eighth grade as well, yeah. So I've actually sat down. I mean, I did a whole piece last year in terms of what your digital dossier was, and the kids were just floored in terms of, what do you mean it starts? What does that mean? I mean, you know, that you're creating a sort of a digital footprint from the time you're born, and that travels with you and what you put out there. So we had that whole conversation about all of that. Sure. <laughs>
but but we but we definitely have that conversation and talk about you know what what that means and also talked about I got as specific as if you decide that you're going to take a provocative photo of yourself address that issue what what does that mean what are you doing why is that bad and just because you're the person that took the picture doesn't mean now that you are kind of free and clear of any sort of legal ramifications as a result of the photo you took. So it, it was an interesting dialogue and an interesting conversation. It was frank, um, and it was it, it sort of calling spade a spade. And oftentimes teachers feel like that they're, they're working with a group of kids that they, they need a little support on in terms of that. They'll give me a call and say, do you mind having a chit chat with, with this group of kids? So I, I do that all the time. We, I should say uh, we have built into our schedule the technology class up through sixth grade. So Ethan has that opportunity and he's, you know, as we said, has you know, partnered with Kasuth on a few of those lessons. We don't, as the students add Latin to their metaphorical backpack in seventh grade, you know, a couple of things shift in the schedule and so they don't have a technology, a specific technology class where that can be addressed. And so when things come up, we are just kind of uh, using either advisory time or maybe borrowing time from another class in order to make those happen. But they are um, less regular because they are less scheduled. But we do you know, uh, embed them. Uh, Kusuth referred to an eighth grade health um, program and that takes shape uh, the last few years it's been in the spring of each year where we do a series of classes um, where we'll borrow time from a science class one week and an English class the next week and so forth and we'll do specific classes on specific topics um, but but otherwise we you know kind of as an, as an ad hoc you know thing and Pam has come into you know some seventh and eighth grade classes this year to talk about these things as well so in that in that vein um, I'll earn that thread in terms of the research and the data out there, I imagine you can all um, uh, see, uh, recognize that the data is inconclusive. Uh, you know, there's articles that will say um, there's a huge correlation between, or yeah, there's a big correlation between um, t screen use and anxiety and depression, and then a week later there'll be articles that say it's only a, cor a correlation, there's no causation. Um, and so, you're going you're to kind of find what you're looking for, if you will, when it comes to articles that speak about the impact that um, screen time has on, on kids' overall social-emotional health. Um, so with that being said, I think you have to take the data of uh, that, your eyes and what you see in your home, basically. Um, how does your kid um, respond or what's their, what's their mood pre-screen time, post-screen time? How hard is it to get them off it? Um, when you, what, what does that look like in that interaction of getting off it? Um, and for that reason, I really strongly, and I, and I have to be, be uh, honest, I haven't done it yet myself, I have a sixth grader, but I've been talking to my wife about it a lot of late, of creating an agreement or a contract or a pact or however you want to uh, uh, describe it. But I really do think um, it could be valuable, and it's something that I know I want to do because I'm just tired of always having to be harping on her. Get off it. Get off it. Why are you on it? Uh, you're not supposed to spend it now. Um, I caught you on it. You know what I mean? Like for me, I'm just like uh, I'm losing my mind trying to like play this cat and mouse game. So I feel like if I can have a, we can have an agreement, and it's a, one that we do together, and that they have, she has some impact, on, uh, she has some input on. Then it's you know, and is it perfect? No, 
but it's it's something that you're working from, right? And then you come up with an agreement. Hey, if you if there's three or four occasions where you break the agreement, you're off it for a day or whatever it may be. And I think you know, as as a parent who I think we can all acknowledge our own use has to be kind of checked a little bit. I feel like it'd be valuable for my wife and I also to follow it. Uh, now, will we be have consequences if we break it? I was thinking about that this morning in the shower, and probably not. But um, <laughs> but the reality is, it's something that we do need to be paying heed to, and because they're paying attention. And you know, our kids are watching us, especially the middle school ones. You want to you know you want to say this and that to me, but what are you doing? And uh, I, I laugh at how often um, I'm I'm informed of my own use uh, by my daughter. Uh, so. I, I do think it's valuable for us to do that modeling piece because they are watching. Um, and I think the, the big thing that jumps out to me when I think about the mental health component or the social emotional component of it is um, it's, it's, it's kind of a zero sum game. Like when they're not, uh, when they're on the screen, they're not doing something else. And I've noticed my own child not doing as much art um, or being outside as much or um, just being as creative and not knowing how to deal with boredom. Any pause of time, that's where she goes. And so just seeing that anecdotal, once again, my own kind of personal data, I know it's an issue that we gotta kind of reel in. And, and from, from, from that perspective, that's why I feel like that pack could be so valuable um, uh, in terms of kind of helping to, to uh, have, a, have a little kind of system in play in terms of how we, we do it as a family. Um, in terms of, I think informing them around the impact, I do uh, think it's valuable to share the information that's out there. Let them read the article that speaks about the, the impact it could have on your social emotional health. Look at the video. There's a great 60 minute series on brain hacking and it's got all these um, tech app developers breaking down how they try to impact the brain and they basically say it's an attention economy. Um, you know, we are, our purpose is to have these kids or have individuals on these screens 24-7 and they break down. You know, the, there's one guy who talks who was a um, neuroscientist before he went into the app business and app design uh, uh, field. And he says, I know how to get the dopamine released. I know we have algorithms that can tell you this person likes it. Uh, the like every five minutes, this person wants the likes in bunches, this per person wants the likes every five hours. And so they have that thing, that they have it down to a science and they said, you know, we, we know how to kind of bring that person back and the whole, uh, um, you know, how, what is it when you stream down on the thing, Scroll. scrolling, they say that we know how impacting scrolling is in terms of it's harder to get off. And I, th I find myself at 10 o'clock at night wanting to go to bed and I'm still scrolling and there's nothing to look at. And I'm like, I don't even see a good article, but I'm just <laughs> doing it anyways because I, cause I can't stop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if I'm a grown man with my prefrontal cortex fully developed, my, my 11 year old daughter doesn't have a chance. So. I think sharing of that information, and we've watched the videos on brain hacking, and we've um, looked at the different articles that speak to it, I think if you can kind of expose that, and once again, it's a dialogue, it's, it's a, I think the idea of self-monitoring is huge, because you're right, we can't watch it all the time. So, but they have to learn that to a certain extent. That they do have to learn that executive functioning of how to kind of recognize, hey, um, I have noticed that I'm constantly on it every, any little break or it, I, I am late for this little something because I couldn't get off it. And sometimes they have to feel the sting of what the consequence of that is, you know, if we're late for something or you, you know, have a consequence because you didn't do something that you were supposed to do, 
that's kind of the natural realities of, of not having that ability to self-monitor. And I think we can't be a, afraid to let our child be a little uncomfortable or experience some discomfort when it comes to their relationship with the screen time. Um, and, and, and so if they, you know, because the reality is a lot of it on, on a social emotional perspective is I'm being left out. Um, or I'm going to miss out on what's going on. Or I'm not going to know what the conversation is. Um, and, and the reality is, yeah, that, that's, there could be some truth to that, but that's okay too. You know what I mean? So you didn't know about the, the, the most recent conversation. Um, the, the anxiety that comes with that, let's help them walk through how to manage that anxiety. Does that mean you're no longer a part of the group? Does that mean you're no longer close friends with this person? Um, and so I think is the more we can help them deal with the ramifications, and there are some repercussions of maybe not being a part of something or missing out on an event, um, helping them walk through that and say, yeah, it's a bummer, I'm sorry you weren't able to do it, but it's gonna be okay, we'll address it in this way, or I'll set up opportunity to connect with them in this way. Um, I, I, you know, so I, I, in that sense, it, it really is important to allow them, I think, to experience um, some of that discomfort. Um, there's definitely some, some interesting uh, are, uh, books out there or articles. This one woman, Jean Twang, wrote an article in The Atlantic about the whole idea of a huge paradigm shift, literally, and how adolescents behave as a result of these screen times. And her article basically is saying, you know, they don't, um, the research has shown that the kids aren't even getting their driver's license at the same rate as they were back in, you know, 2008, I think. It was a 10-year. I, I think that was when there was a greater jump from over 50% of the kids having cell phones than pre-2008 or something like that. Um, and so it, it's interesting. It's definitely stuff, you know, to think about um, and, and reflect on. But at the same time, as Pam said, it's not going anywhere. So... Um, we have to figure out a way to have a, a, a I think, a reasonable and healthy uh, relationship with it. Um, lastly, I'll say is I kind of, I kind of think about it from how we deal with um, how the FCD when they come and speak to kids about alcohol and drug use. The earlier, the later you can delay, like the exposure and use, the the greater the, the chance of of not overusing or abusing whatever it is. And so I think about that with, with technology. You know, there's a um, psychologist, Dan Siegel, or psychiatrist, who says, um, you know, the neurons that fire together wire together. And, and I like that and that idea of the more you can kind of delay this idea of them meeting at, at every pause or at, at every uh, moment, that, at every little free time that they're on that computer, the more you can delay that and keep them out there and on the, in the grass and playing their games and doing their art or hanging out with their siblings, whatever it may be, just the, the, the greater likelihood that they're going to have a healthy relationship as it goes, as they get older. Um, and just us knowing that's going to require work, it's going to require our own self-discipline, um, it's going to require some, some, some arguments and disagreements maybe that we don't want to have to have because we're tired and we just want to keep, you know, on our own device or hanging out with our wife or our partner or whatever it may be. But um, in the long term, I think it, it's going to serve us well if we can... Um, just be aware that, that uh, this, this is powerful stuff and, and the more we can teach them how to be responsible and have that ability to, to self-monitor at an earlier age, the better. Uh, the articles that Kasuth was talking about, that's in that handout in the back. And also, there's a, on the flip side, there's a family media agreement on there as well that I pulled from uh, Common Sense Media. And if you haven't checked out Common Sense Media, it's a great website to go. And, and check out, it, it does reviews of everything from games to movies and talks about age appropriateness of a variety of different things related to technology and screen time. 
Um, and there's also a the last sort of thing under articles that says how to make a family media use plan. And uh, that URL takes you to a spot that actually literally walks you through, allows you to put your child's name in, make some selections and choices, and kind of spits out a media plan based on the inf information that you've uh, put in there. And, and lastly, I'll just add, it, the more you can let your child know too, they're not alone on those group chats. There are parents who do go through those, those, uh, that correspondence and that communication, and you should let them know that um, you need to be aware of that. Maybe your parents don't go through your, your uh, you know, communications, but there are other parents that are. So the more you can let them know to be aware of that, it also might inhibit some of the, the language they use um, and the way they speak to other people because um, I, I have gotten calls from parents who they're reading them. And, and I don't think, even if your parent isn't, or you, know, your you, know, you need to let your child know, even if I'm not reading them, there are other parents that are. Um, and I would actually recommend that you do kind of go through there. Uh, you know, they're 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. We have, we're paying for the devices. If we want to go and take a look, I think that's okay. And I don't think that's, in, you know, impinging on their privacy. Um, I think it's just making sure they're being safe because it's not necessarily about them. It's about maybe something else that someone else in that group is, is sharing or doing. Foot Podcasts are a production of The Foot School, an independent school for grades K-9 located in New Haven, Connecticut. Visit us online at footschool.org.